Haley, what is your favorite holiday dessert? My, like, Christmas holiday, my family always just does, like, cookies. Mmm. All bake a ton of cookies. Um, so I'd have to say, I don't know, growing up, are we talking, like, Christmas or are we talking just, like, any holiday? I think we, I think we probably should talk Christmas, being that's that that being the theme of the book that yeah. we chose. That's that would that would be that's the vibe I was thinking about. So Christmas, it'd be cookies. I have a really not a really fond mem- memory of many fond memories of we'd always like go over to my grandma's house and do like the rollout cookies, and Love. she had like a killer frosting recipe that we would use every <laughs> year. Uh, my grandma also makes um russian tea cakes that are so amazing i love russian tea and she's cakes. making them gluten-free this year oh because she loves you yeah wow yeah uh and then i i guess okay my probably my favorite holiday cookie though is i mean it's like standard it's classic the peanut butter blossom Oh, heck yes. Yes. But, okay, the secret. So I always make the peanut butter blossoms. Good. Don't use a Hershey Kiss on top. Stop doing that. What do you use instead? I use a Reese's Bell. Oh, <gasps> stop. Yeah. It's like the same shape. You still get the same effect, except for that there's it's a Reese's, which is a million times better than a Hershey's Kiss. 100% agreed. That's and how I make them every year. It, oh. Wow, that's incredible, especially because I have some beef. I love a peanut butter blossom, but I have beef with the Hershey's Kisses because when you bite into it, it's like scraping the roof of your mouth and shattering in half. And it's like, this is not what is this experience is exactly. supposed to be like. So there you go. Everybody, I've saved everyone's holiday baking. <laughs> Reese's Bell on top. I've changed all of your lives. And the podcast is over. We've done it. We've changed lives. That's all. <laughs> all right. Mariah, what's your favorite dessert? Okay. Mine is also a cookie. Have you ever heard of Millionaire Shortbread? Have I talked about this on the podcast before? I don't know if you've talked about it on the podcast, but you've definitely told me before. Okay. Well, listeners, if you've already heard about this from me, you can skip forward a little bit. Um, I love Millionaire Shortbread. It's like a layer of shortbread cookie a layer of caramel, and then a layer of chocolate. Some people just melt their chocolate. I make a chocolate ganache because I like to be fancy. Fancy. I know. Well, it's also because I'm bad at melting chocolate, but I'm good at making ganache. You know what I mean? I, I'm just like, I can't melt chocolate and make it smooth. I, I Like I've said a million times, I'm not a baker. and this is It's okay. This is, do, it, <laughs> do its easiest. However, I made this recipe for Thanksgiving. I was with a friend and we used darker chocolate than I was used to. And somehow my ganache ended up grainy and I was so bummed, but it tasted delicious. And then once it cooled, it was fine. Nobody even noticed, but I noticed when I was making it. So if you're a baker and you know what I did wrong, I actually don't want to know. Don't tell me. I'm just going to pretend that it was the fact that the chocolate was so dark. Couldn't have been my fault. It probably well okay. It probably does have something to do with the chocolate because like all chocolate yes. is different, yeah. And chocolate also is very finicky. It really like reacts to certain things. Yes. So, like 
even if it was something on your end, it could have been something so small, you know? Thank you so much. That is, thank you. That was the most affirming you screwed up I've ever gotten. And I really appreciate that. (laughs) Anytime. Oh man. But those are my favorite, mostly because I have figured out what I want my recipe to look like. And I've done a little bit of messing around with it, which feels really impressive because we've talked about this before. You're the baker, I'm the cook. But I figured out what I like and how I like to do it. And people are usually like, oh my gosh, this is so delicious. If you like a Twix, you're going to love a millionaire shortbread. And Harry Styles talked about it in his first um, like interview with Simon Cowell. Not interview, He talked about your millionaire shortbread? Mine. <laughs> yes. He said, I work at a bakery and someone who's, I don't know, I'm <laughs> X number of years <laughs> younger than me actually makes the millionaire shortbread. And she's from the States. It's It's really expensive to get it over here. <laughs> it was mine he talked about my millionaire shortbread so anyhow him and carrie hope fletcher are the people who made me go i need to try that and now here we are and now you've perfected the recipe and make it every holiday exactly exactly Do you make it every holiday yes i those are the best yes i have made it every holiday and i made it three times over thanksgiving i think yeah, I know. No, oh, no, it was only twice. It was only twice. I take it all back. But you're gonna I make it for Christmas. Twice. I am gonna make it for Christmas. How many times for Christmas? At least once, possibly twice. My dad did request a second tray of them, and I said, "I'll see what I can do for you." The chocolate recipe that I, or the chocolate recipe, the caramel recipe that I use. I just also I make my own chocolate. <laughs> I've been lying to you guys this whole time. I actually am a baker and a chocolatier. There's always twice as much caramel as what I actually need. Or no, I have twice, whatever. Kelly, my brain is so fried right now. I have twice as much of the supplies that I need for the caramel every time I make it. So so you might as well then get double the supplies of everything exactly. else. So then you can make two two trays of it. You can two freeze trays it really of it. well. Exactly. Your dad's going to be super stoked. Yeah, he is. He is. And I I don't think that my nephews have ever gotten to try it before. So I think that they're going to be pretty excited about it. Merry Christmas to your nephews. Exactly. (laughs) You're becoming millionaires this year, guys. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's the ticket. I'm Kelly. And I'm Mariah. And this is Peak Distraction. A podcast about everything. All right, buckaroonies, trash dogs. <laughs> It is book club, and we're coming to you like two weeks earlier than usual. Um, We are not moving the book club up regularly. We moved it up early this time, this month, because we read a Christmas book. And if you read along with us, we wanted you to be able to listen to it before Christmas. It's true. If you read it before Christmas. So 
We're, think- um, we're thinking of you guys. Yeah. So in January, we will resume book clubs in the last week of the month. Um, but we really um it was harrowing actually we had to finish this like two weeks earlier than usual so it was a tough task for us we couldn't put it off which was the toughest task for us because if you've been listening to our book episodes you know that kelly and i are the queens of saying no no we're gonna record the book episode way early in the month and then push it back until the very last minute this time we were already at the last minute we're recording this like Really three days before it will come out. <laughs> so I finished the book last night. Um, I finished it an hour and a half ago. So which is, that's pretty good for both of us, though. That is pretty good. Honestly, I almost I stayed up late to finish it last night. Mm. It was my bedtime, 930 p.m. And I had 30 pages left. Mm. And so I was like, do I stay up? Do I just go to bed? And I was like, well, I'm going to like go get a glass of water, clean up the kitchen a little bit before I go to bed. Then I'm going to head upstairs and make my decision. And then I headed upstairs and I really, I was in like a groove with the Mm -hmm. book and I did not want to get out of that groove. I was like a whole ball of really nice emotions. (laughs) And so uh, I wanted to continue that. So. I'm sorry, with the last 30 pages left in the book, you had you were a ball of good emotions. <laughs> Kelly, we'll talk you? about it. We'll talk about it. When we get there, I can't wait to tell you all of the notes that I left. So, sounds like we have Gosh. some differing opinions again for you guys. <laughs> hey, you know what? If you don't read the books, Hopefully it's at least entertaining because (laughs) Mariah and I argue over books every month. (laughs) I wonder if we'll ever find a book that we're both like, oh, no, this was a solid four and I liked it for these reasons and we don't like the same things. I'm going to be really curious. I think there are some things in this book that we agree on for liking and disliking. I do think there are some things in this book that we agree on. Okay, do you want to read us the summary, Kelly? And then I'll tell us how many stars. I'll tell us, not our listeners. We're going to turn off our microphones. It's a secret. <laughs> you have to look it up on Goodreads for yourself, buckaroonies. Uh, okay, well, I suppose we haven't said the title yet. Um, you probably already know it if you're listening to this. Uh, but we read Meet Me Under the Mistletoe by Jenny Bayless. We did indeed. Uh, am I reading the whole thing? I know the. it seems long. Okay, I'll just read the blurb because I feel like that's a good summary. Um, a city bookshop owner heads to the English countryside for a holiday reunion only to face her childhood enemy. Um, yeah, so Nori, Eleanor Noel, and she goes by Nori. Um, of course, her last name is Noel. Because of the Christmas book. So um, Christmassy. <laughs> so her hometown is Hartmead, which is like an hour outside of London. And so she went to this like bougie private school on scholarship. Mm-hmm. So she has all these bougie private school friends who were not there on scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of her attending the school, 
she made a lot of enemies in town. Like she like she has some conflict with her brother. She has some conflict with this Isaac, who is the the enemy slash love interest of this novel. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And so she goes back for one of her bougie friends' weddings. Um and they stay in like the castle up there. And Isaac, her enemy slash love interest, mm-hmm. um is the head gardener at the cat at the castle and so they like literally run into each other and that is how this story (laughs) starts so yeah on page 37 it was my so I tab my books I only tabbed half of this book because I forgot my tabs in the living room and I was reading in my kitchen so the first half of the book is really colorful with all my tabs and the second half is not um, but on page 37 already, she mentioned Isaac and I had literally written, oh no, is Isaac the love interest? And now here we are. Okay. Truthfully, when we, I was very confused. I thought this was going to be, uh, okay. So I, I thought I knew what the story was, right? We had read mm-hmm. the back of it, picked this book And then I did not read the back of it again when I started reading it. So it had (laughs) been months and I was like, I thought I had the gist of it. I was like, she falls in love with this. I think he's described as like dark, handsome man who Mm -hmm. used to be like her enemy. And I think I must have forgotten about the enemy part because her friend Amira starts dating this dark, handsome man named Dev. Mm-hmm. I definitely thought that this was going to be a steal your best friend's boyfriend situation at first because <laughs> we're introduced to Dev first. And I was like, that is yeah. not what I thought this story was about. And I was like, yeah. that's pretty freaking mean, Nori. Like, Amira seems like she's a really great friend and you're just going to steal Dev from her? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I didn't remember the back of the book, the little summary. I didn't read the back of the book before I started reading, but I did read the first couple of chapters in a brewery in Denver. So life was good, you know? Also, I forgot the number of stars on Goodreads. All I'm saying, Kelly, is that the last time we read a book with this rating, you're like, that's pretty low though. So maybe that's why this book is so bad. (laughs) This book has three and a half stars on Goodreads. However, it does only have 576 ratings. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It has 3,000 ratings, 576 reviews. (laughs) So anyhow. Okay. In defense of what I said, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. This is a Christmas novel, not literary Mm -hmm. fiction. This guy's literary fiction. Wait. I go into this expecting this to be bad. You don't do that with YA romances too, because it was what? it was a <laughs> it was about a long for the ride that you did that. No, Isn't I said it? that about Portrait of a Thief. Oh, okay, okay, fine, that's fair. No, yeah, I I mean rating systems are hard, you know, because like like you can't really compare a Christmas novel to Portrait of a Thief, which is supposed to be literary fiction, right? So that's I figure fair. with like Christmas novels, like Christmas novels are always bad. Right. So like a, like a three and a half star, it's like, OK, some people are probably rating this low. But at the same time, like, didn't you know what you were getting into? That's a really good point. 
That's a really you're making you're making fair points. Kelly. In defense, in defense of myself, just I mean, if you look at like my ratings of things on my Goodreads or on my Storygraph, um, they're all over the place. Like I'll have I th- I definitely have a Christmas book from last year that's rated like five stars, and then I think I rated Where the Crawdads Sing is like three stars. So. <laughs> You know, because your expectations are in different places for these. Yeah, books. like I expect a Christmas book to be bad, and this one like really wowed me. Yeah, and it stuck with me. So like five out of five, great job. Where the crawdads sing? I was like, okay, there's a lot of pretty descriptions, but this is making me fall asleep. So <laughs> you're gonna make a lot of people angry saying that, but I'm not mad about. It. I've not read Where the Crawdads Sing, and I don't plan on it either. Good. I did not enjoy that book. Come at me. <laughs> I have not seen the movie. I will watch it eventually. Mm. But yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, okay. Before we get into talking about this. Yeah. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm talking so much on this podcast. <laughs> oh, no. You're saying things with a microphone on the recording that we're doing? God, just put a microphone on me and I just can't stop talking. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. What were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say, so last time, Portrait of a Thief, last month, at the very end, we discovered on the podcast, Storygraph, mm-hmm. and the ability to do buddy reads. Oh my gosh, And we actually y'all. did a buddy read for this book. <laughs> and it was so fun. It was a great time. One of my favorite things was every time... I would like pause my reading for whatever reason. I would go into Storygraph and see if I had any new messages. Kelly, I'm going to read my favorite message that you left for me. Okay. <laughs> are you are you ready for that? I'm ready. I know which one. Okay. So Kelly set up our buddy read and put in some comments before I even had, before either of us even owned the book, I think. At 226 pages, Kelly left the comment, Hey, butthead, congratulations. You've made it to page 225. <laughs> and I, I took a screenshot and that will be in the Instagram post. Like you just, just so you can all see. <laughs> okay. Truthfully, I did that on the Portrait of a Thief podcast. <laughs> um, Had not read this book yet. We were like just discovering the Storygraph buddy read feature and it said if you left comments, they hit them until you like hit that point of the book. And so I wrote that because I was like, if it doesn't hide it, I'll know immediately because you'll be like, I'm not on page 225, um, but you never said anything about it. And I also, I think I need to do that from now on because honestly, like last, last week, not mm-hmm. last week. Honestly, maybe like two days ago, I was like, wow, Mariah's not at page 225. <laughs> <laughs> and yesterday I got to page 225, Kelly. And 225 <laughs> is about where I stopped leaving myself tabs, too. That's really funny. All you needed was a little praise. It <laughs> <laughs> yes, being called butthead. <laughs> However... I think that as a youngest sibling, in some ways, I think when people call me names, it's like really endearing. 
I think that too. <laughs> I'm so glad that we're on the same page. I'm just if glad you didn't say weirdo. It it is one of those things when you are like a younger sibling, like I'm like, mm-hmm. I grew up with older brothers. Like, if you're not mean to me, I don't trust you. Yeah. <laughs> Is that why we get along so well? Probably. <laughs> that and the, like, whole neurodivergent thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a really good point. And the whole that's- English major thing. You're You're saying all of the right things. Just a lot of things. Kelly, what did you like about this book? A lot. Probably more than you did. <laughs> I don't know about that, Kelly. <laughs> I actually, here's the thing. Overall, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the pacing up to the last, literally up to the last 30 pages. <laughs> like, all of the pacing was good. And then all of a sudden, I was like, no. No, I hate this. I'm sorry, the last 70 pages were hard for me to read. Okay, let's start with what you liked then. <laughs> okay. First you sound all, like me last time. I liked I, the short <laughs> chapters. Um, I also really did like that, though. Um, I thought these chapters were pretty short, generally speaking. So something that I enjoyed was uh, the fact that Jenny Bayless put in a bunch of Jane Austen references And I started taking note of them because I was like, interesting. This is okay. So there were one, two, three, four, five. There were five very specific Jane Austen references throughout the book. And I was like, that's, that's good. I liked that. I I also like all of those. Oh, well, I can tell you the pages they're on so you can go back and look at them if you'd like to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Okay. The side characters. Can we just talk for a second? So we have Nori and Isaac, who I guess you could say are the main characters, but it's really about Nori. The side characters, like her whole group of friends and her family, chef's kiss. Yes. So good. I I loved loved them. I loved them too. I thought all of her friends, Amira, Pip, and Jenna, Mm -hmm. they're all three so different. Yes. I thought she did a really good job of, like, crafting, like, three very different friends. And I also Mm -hmm. just really loved – I think she did a good job of, like, portraying their friendship as, like, 35-year-olds. They've known each other since they were 11. Yes. And they're still friends. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I also liked that I never got confused about which – friend she was talking about the only people who I was like who are they were the couple who were getting married Jenna and Charles it wasn't until halfway through the book that I was like oh duh yeah Charles the couple getting whenever Charles was like in the mix of things I got a little confused as well um Pippa loved Pippa (laughs) of course you loved Pippa Pippa was my favorite honestly I didn't like her at first because she really wasn't there she was only kind of mentioned until the end or yeah. she was only kind of mentioned, and then at the end is really when I feel like you get to know Pippa a little bit more. And that, I was like, when as soon as that happened, I was like, man, I love Pippa. Pippa's my favorite. Yeah, she brings a lot of good energy. Um, I think that my two favorite side characters have to be Dev, so Amira's boyfriend, because he like 
we don't get to see him in depth enough to say, oh, I didn't see any flaws and that was a weakness of the book. I liked that the only things that we saw were pleasant things from him. And it was almost like Amira was trying to convince both Nori and the reader, like, no, no, he's not as good as he's, he's just a Barbie boy. Like, I'm just going to date him and then he's going to go away, whatever. And then he keeps proving to all of us that he's a lovely, lovely character. Um, And also Shelly, her, so Nori's brother, Tom, Tom's wife, Shelly, icon, loved Shelly. I'm so team Shelly. Shelly was great. Another character I really liked, Nori's mom. Sasha loved her. Sasha. Oh, just a favorite character for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I also, something I really appreciated about these, the way that Bayless wrote these characters was that like they followed who you expected them to be and their character arcs were not shocking. And like, there's no way that character would ever do that. You know, it's like, Oh no, all of these character arcs make sense and are at least somewhat plausible. Uh So I really liked that too. Also, I liked the commentary on sexism in class and the way that those things are talked about in groups of men, women, and everybody. Yeah, there was a lot of that, which I will say sometimes for me that got a little bit overboard. Like I was like, okay, Mm. we get it. And it was like a little too, (laughs) it was just like really not subtle. And it felt like that sometimes came at random points, but it was not Mm. enough to make me like annoyed or whatever. Again, it just kind of felt like, it's a Christmas novel. I'm not surprised. <laughs> but it'd be like super obvious and then it would move past it. But also like yeah. at the same time, that's pretty realistic to like groups of friends will talk about things like that mm-hmm. and it like feels kind of random and then you just move past it and like that's a thing. So yeah, I also think that like <laughs> I am I'm often the person to be like, well, here's why that's happening and I'll just say it straight up. And I think that some of the characters in this book, especially the females, every female character in this book was so strong. Yeah. I loved it. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's so spicy. It's so good. I know. Um, I just loved the way that they would be like, that's dumb. Don't act like that. Here's why. So good. (laughs) So good. Okay. Those are the things that I really liked that I wrote down. How about you? What are things that you enjoyed? I enjoyed... A lot. Um, First off, I really enjoy, like, current British authors. Mm. There is something very different about a British novel than an American novel. And I can't put my finger on it. I don't know, like, what it is that I enjoy more. But I love, like, British authors. And this stands for, like, Irish authors as well. Don't know what it is, but I love it. So um, I just really appreciated that in general. Thank you, Jenny Bayless, for being British. Really appreciated it. Agreed. I sometimes feel like they're not trying to prove something. Yeah, like... like, like, This book, again, was not heading into it being like, this is going to be the best book I've ever read. Mm -hmm. I knew this book was going to be a breath of fresh air and that's exactly what it was because it's just like this th- it's not trying to be anything else it's like this is a Christmas yeah. novel they fall in love they used to hate each other and now they fell in love and it's, <laughs> it's Christmas you know there's snow falling 
Exactly. Um, okay. I Some other things I really liked. There was one scene. I put this on my comments. Um, I'm not as prepared as you. I did not have a list heading in of what I liked and what I disliked. <laughs> I should have. I knew what we were going to talk about, and I didn't come up with a list. Um, there is a scene at the end. Nori and Amira are heading back to Heartmead for Christmas, and they're stuck in dead stop traffic, and they're screaming, and this British man comes up, and he's like, is everything okay? We heard you screaming, and I just wanted to check to make sure you're okay. And Amira's like, everything's okay. I'm in love. And um, Or Nori says that about Amira or something. And then I can just, I could picture the scene so clearly in my mind, and he goes, it's all right, love. They're in love. And uh, and then the wife comes out of the car. And then all of a sudden people start crowding around them. And I was like, that is the most wholesome thing in the world. That was my favorite scene in the whole book. Like it came I out cried. of nowhere. It was, I think I might have too. <laughs> uh, that was another thing on my list. I loved that Amira fell in love. It made me so happy. This book, so many different characters had healing. There was one point where I wrote in my book, like, wait a sec, wait a second. What are the odds that all of these characters want to not be jerks to each other anymore? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I just, I, it's, it's because it's a Christmas book. And I have to get over the fact that that is not realistic because it is a Christmas romance novel. Yes. And that's okay. That is okay. <laughs> uh, I really loved Pippa and Mitch at the end. Same. <laughs> Lord Abercrombie, which I also cannot get over his name, Lord Abercrombie. <laughs> Same. I know. I sat um, there being like. I was like, I bet he looks good in a pair of jeans. I <laughs> Pippa would say so. <laughs> uh, but Lord Abercrombie was a lord at that castle when Pippa used to trespass there. Yeah. But also, like, Pippa's, I mean, she's, like, in her 30s and, like, mature and successful, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, but I appreciated it. I really liked that. Uh, I also really liked, okay, essentially... I really, really, really enjoyed the last 25% of the book when uh, Nori and Isaac are finally together. Pretty much everything after the wedding. Nori and Isaac are finally together. Nori Fs it up. And then, oh my gosh, so enjoyable. Wait, I'm sorry. And this is what I hated about the book. Because I literally marked in my book. Okay, let me backtrack. On the back, it says, these people are enemies, and then they become fr they become lovers, right? Enemies to lovers. That was the trope I was expecting. Page 78. We're not even a third of the way through the book, and the enemy part is over, and they are in love, and it is obvious. And then it isn't until page 330 that there's another real conflict. And I just didn't like that at all. Okay. So, and I agree with you on that. That was like something that I didn't like. I think I wrote in our buddy read too. I was like, mm -hmm. th 
like Jenny Bayless is lying to herself that this is a enemies to lovers. Like I was like, this is not an enemies to lovers. This is they had a weird feud and now they're adults and find each other attractive. Like, yes, they did get over it very quickly. I will also agree that I not that I was getting bored, like it was like enjoyable, but I, Mm -hmm. too, was like, where is the conflict? Mm-hmm. So when the conflict did hit, it was exactly what I needed. Like when it did hit, I was like, this is the conflict that I have been wanting. And I think she wrote it so well. She wrote the conflict so well. She wrote like Nori's like emotional baggage from that so well. And I think mm. that whole scene, that whole like 25% of the book for the most part is in London. And I think she wrote London to actually feel cozier than Heartmead. Yeah. Um, so I really loved like the writing. I loved all the dialogue in that scene. We got to see more of Andrew, her bookseller That's friend. Fair. And I really think he reminds me of Michelle a lot. From Gilmore Girls? Yeah. <laughs> Wait. But he's, well, I guess he's kind of grumpy towards Nori. But he really loves... I see what you're saying. I see the connection. Can I just say that on page 331, so right after the conflict happened, and literally the conflict happened, and I wrote so many expletives. I was a cusser. I was so like, why is this happening right now? The book could have ended, and it all would have been fine. Or this conflict could have happened sooner. I don't know. I just was a cranky pants when I got to this point. Um, There's a point where Nori says, I've ruined everything. What have I done? I've ruined everything. And I literally wrote in the margins, yes, you have. (laughs) In that tone. I was thinking that tone. I was like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. You have ruined everything. Oh, my gosh. No, and that's what I mean, that it was so perfect. Like, this was the, like, it was just the most cheesy conflict and cheesy reaction to the conflict ever this whole last part just reminded me of a of a bridget jones movie and it was incredible um there is a part where nori okay so just if anyone has like not read this book um nori and isaac they fell in love and then they get into conflict because i don't it's is it his great grandmother? Yes, he- Heba, or Heba? I don't Heba. know how to pronounce him. I should have looked it up. I don't know. His great grandmother Heba was a floral artist. Mm-hmm. She painted florals, and she worked as a servant from India um, for this like wealthy British family. And Serena DeVere, the wife of the family that she worked for, Mm -hmm. um, stole her work and put her name on it. And so, like, from then on, Heba's work has been, for years, credited to this Serena DeVere. And so Isaac tells Nori this because Nori's like a huge Serena DeVere stan. And then she finds these and she's like, well, we need to do something about this, you know? And also Serena DeVere told Isaac's great-grandmother 
that she would be paid for all of this. Isaac's great-grandmother signed a contract. And he's like, no, no, I can't afford lawyers. This is not worth it. And he had like a secret, he had secret um, drawings that she had done or pieces of art that she had done that she hadn't handed over to Serena DeVere. And he was like, if I lose this case, then these pieces of art that are like the last thing I have of my family, because both of his parents are dead. Surprise, dead parents. They keep coming up in these stories. What's up with that? Is this in every book and I just didn't notice it before because I didn't have a dead parent? I think it is in every book. Oh, man. That's a lot. That's a little dramatic. Um, Except in Twilight. But technically there are dead parents, but not really. Anyhow, I digress. I completely forgot what I was saying about Serena DeVere. Oh, he would like lose the last piece of his family in this little art book because they would take it for Serena DeVere's estate and whatnot. Yes. And Nori was like, conveniently, <laughs> one of my childhood best friends named The worst Guy, one of them all is a investigative journalist and he might be a shitty person but he is really good at his job and i think she like literally said that too and yeah the issue is that would be great in theory <laughs> except for guy is the worst and Cheated on his wife with Nori. Nori did not know that he was married. Mm-hmm. And then at this wedding, he's been like so creepy and just like coming on to her the entire time. And she's told him no a billion times, whatever. Yet she still thought it was a good idea. The morning after, her <laughs> and Isaac are finally together to text Guy to come over to Isaac's house once Isaac has left. So that she can give him the journals and get him to do this or whatever. And Guy, like, comes on to her. And she's, yeah. like, tr- like it, she's, like, trying to push him off. And Isaac walks in, of course, because it's a romance. And remember, this is the conflict that comes literally 70 pages before the book is done. This is the conflict that I was, like, where was this 25 pages ago, 30 pages ago? Even a hundred pages ago when I was like, this is too easy. All of this is too easy. I hate this. Where was it? Not but in the book so until the good. end. it's so good. It's so classic. And then, oh, so Isaac won't even let Nori talk because he walked in. She's in a compromising yeah. position with Guy and he knows their history. And then the books and he's like, my grandmother's books. And how could you do that? On my father's desk with him. (laughs) I think I hate this so much because I hate the miscommunication trope. Maybe more than anything else. Like, I just... It makes me feel so uncomfortable through and through. Like, in the fourth book of Harry Potter, when Ron is being a total jerk because he thinks that Harry put his name in the goblet, whatever... My least favorite part of the whole Harry Potter series. Me too. Like, it's like, just listen. If you, like, give him two yeah. seconds to explain, yes. all of this will be resolved. Yes. If you all would just have a conversation, it like, this would be so much easier. <sighs> and Isaac, 
seemed really mature throughout, like more mm-hmm. mature than Nori. Yeah. Throughout the entirety of the novel. And then in that scene was like, nope, I don't want to hear it. Get out of my house. <laughs> yep. So then anyways, Nori, you know, obviously messed up and she becomes a sad sack and is like, why is this happening to me? I was like, because you made literally the dumbest decision that anyone could have possibly made. Um, I did think that that was realistic, how she kept going back and forth between like, oh my gosh, I hate myself. I'm the worst person. I made all of this happen. And oh my gosh, I'm so annoyed that Isaac won't listen to me like. This isn't my fault at all. It was all guy. Like that, I hated it. I hated reading it, but I was like, that's relatable. Vomit on toast. I do get that. But there was one part that just (laughs) utterly killed me. She wrote a letter to him. And oh, I hated the letter. And in the letter, both of them. (laughs) In the letter, she says, I know you feel like I betrayed you, but I didn't actually. It was like, that's the worst apology ever, Nori. That's how she started the letter. This was the first sentence. I know you feel like I betrayed you, but your feelings are wrong. I didn't. And then, Isaac. And then two pages later, Nori admits that she did, in fact, betray him. Yeah. Yep. It was absolutely ridiculous. It was I... so fantastic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um I'm not going to lie to you from the point where that miscommunication happened up until like 30 pages later. I hated it. I hated those 30 pages. And I sat there going, I get it. You're sad. All you do is go to work and then you go home and you stop and get takeout and you eat your takeout because you're sad. And then you sleep a lot because we freaking get it. You're sad. And then finally, guy comes back and is like, I did all the investigating and I'm doing outpatient therapy, which like, Way to good go, guy. Him. I know. It's like, I'm not going to trust you for a while still, but like, good yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. Way to learn from your mistakes. Exactly. And I was like, I literally wrote in the margins, finally, something interesting again. <laughs> I really love this sad montage in rom coms, though, because oh. it is, it's so heartbreaking. Like, you can just. Feel that like, you know, when you like send a risky text and you're waiting Uh for that response back and it's the most heartbreaking feeling in the world. Yeah. That's what the sad montage of rom-coms is and nothing else can elicit that feeling. The next time I send a risky text and then I'm sad waiting for a response, I'm going to just like record little bits of my day and send it to you and say, this is my... This is my sad rom-com montage. How do you feel about it? Can you please do that? Oh, my god! <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need to find someone to send a risky text to, though. That's We'll work on it. We'll, that's an we'll work after on the it. holidays problem. Yeah, we'll work on it. After um, the holidays, that'll be something I work on. The Got sad it. montage is also the best because it's like, you're going to end up together. It's gonna. He's going to text you back. But sometimes they don't in these books. And that's what I hated. I was like, if this book ends this way, Give I know that it probably Give me one won't. romance book where they don't end up together. Didn't that happen in the One Day in December book that you loved so much? No, they ended up together. 
but he didn't end up with, I don't remember, I remember someone not ending up together in that book that I wanted to stay together. I don't know. So that was a, that's right. Originally, that's a classic. That one is a steal your best friend's boyfriend book. There, there we go. I didn't like that. That made me uncomfortable. I really liked One Day in December. Not the whole like stealing your friend's boyfriend thing, but it was like a, but they're soulmates, you know? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I liked That's that it you spanned. Five stars and- yeah, I liked that it spanned like 15 or 20 years. It's not like her friends started dating. like, And also, she yeah. locked eyes with him before they started dating. And <laughs> it was years. She was almost married to another guy before they actually ended up together. Okay, you're making a lot of really good points. You're making a lot of really good points. Can I tell you a really sappy thing that happened before the conflict? Yeah. That I hated. <laughs> I was like, did you love it? <laughs> no. I hated it. I, maybe I'm becoming a cynic. Maybe that's what's happening. Because there were some times when they would talk about like, oh, I'm so in love with him. And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a Christmas tree lighting in the town. And Nori is there with her family and Amira and Dev, blah, blah, blah. Lord Abercrombie, why can't I say that word correctly? And Isaac comes with him. I don't know why Isaac was with him specifically. Maybe it's because it had to do with gardens and trees. Also, we didn't mention this. Isaac, oh yeah, you you did. Head gardener. Sorry, my brain is all over the place. Okay, so they're like about to light the tree (laughs) and it's they're talking about falling in love and her mom is like if only nori would fall in love then we'd have a full house and it says (laughs) at that moment the crowd along the path parted and lord abercrombie strode into view with isaac beside him nori's heart sped up i literally just wrote no Hate, 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 <laughs> loathe. That's how I felt about it. What I hated about that part yeah. is Isaac was being super aggressive, like, let's go back to my cottage. Oh, my and, God. <laughs> and it was, like, right in front of her parents. And I was like, and Amira was, like, picking up on it and was like, yeah, Nori, let's go. Let's, you need to go. And I was like, there's no way her parents aren't picking up on this. Literally, there's no way that everyone in her family wasn't like, wow, we are all uncomfortable. <laughs> Speaking of those moments, they were so often, and it was it would be like one sentence that was like a little shocking with her thoughts. And I was like, why are you inserting all of those thoughts that I, that I quoted a lot that I did not like? I thought those were, they made me super uncomfortable, but I laughed at all of them. I'm All of the ones that made me laugh, I put them on the, uh, I think you saw a bunch of just random quotes of things on our buddy read, and it was all the lines that made me so uncomfortable. I just like started laughing out loud because yes. it was like, no one thinks this. So, yes. okay, for a romance novel, this is very closed door. Like, Which I was really grateful for. Let's talk for a second. I was so grateful that it was so closed door. And because you gave me that little hint, the, the little tool last time to know when things were going to get spicy, I was like, 
I'm not going to read the whole next paragraph. And then I would skip the paragraph and be like, oh my gosh, look, things are normal again. Perfect. Yeah. So Thank it was you. very, very closed door. Um, yeah. Except for her thoughts. Except for her thoughts. So like <laughs> definitely a romance novel, but it didn't like show yeah. anything, but it like, you know, hints at like spice. Yeah. Um, but I am so happy it was closed door because I don't know if I would want to read a spicy scene written by this author. <laughs> I think it would make me really uncomfortable. I think it'd be one Same. of those things. I think if she wrote a spicy scene throughout, whenever she wrote anything that was like mildly intimate between the two of them, I was like, what are you doing? Like, that's weird. <laughs> and it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like she'd be the type of person that would be like, yeah, this is normal. And then she'd release a book and everybody would be like, that's not normal. <laughs> what are you doing? I texted Kelly right after I finished the book. And this this is what I said with all of the things in this book. I just said, okay, is it only because I'm single and have no clue what being in a relationship looks like? Or is there a lot of neck kissing in this book? Because that was like 90% of their... There was relationship it was all neck kissing yeah and i just was like and Ugh. he like there was a scene where he'd like traced her lips but he did it with his index finger <laughs> <laughs> i literally as i was reading i sat there and i put my index finger on my mouth and i was like this is weird <laughs> like no I'm matter how your hand like, shh, shh no worry <laughs> And he wasn't shushing her. That's the other thing. I was like, okay, if he had put his finger to her lips, A, that's weird anyhow in this context. But if he had done that, that might have been acceptable. No, he was just touching her face and then used his pointer finger to touch her lips. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> he was just tracing her face with his pointer finger. It's like, what is happening? And Nori, why are you liking this? yeah why are you why are you falling in love with this guy okay I'm not gonna lie to you I think that Isaac was a little bit two-dimensional like I didn't really understand why they fell in love with each other except for that they thought each other was hot and like he likes plants and she likes yeah they both enjoy (laughs) flowers yeah yeah I I know I I agree at the end of the book they didn't really make sense to me no I liked that they fell in love, but at the end of the book, I was like, what do they have in common other than flowers and quirkiness? I mean, don't get me wrong. I did cry, like, in the epilogue when they finally get married or whatever. Same. (laughs) And, like, it's – and I mean, to be fair, though, it is kind of nice that two people that you wouldn't expect to get along and then especially wouldn't expect to, like, be romantic – it is kind of nice when that happens because it's like, oh, you're such an unlikely couple and you're like so madly in love. Yeah, I guess you're right. Okay, but my biggest issue with Isaac. <laughs> I'm ready. Give it to me. Okay, first of all, he still, he like hates rich people. And <laughs> I think that is like. And you hate it because you're so rich. I just, I think that is the most annoying thing ever like Mm -hmm. to hate someone because of how much money like like just like outright 
hate these people. And it was like, yes. and you're like, I get like Nori's friends. They were assholes to you growing up mm-hmm. or whatever. And and I know that your family has always been like servants or gardeners. So I get that like you've experienced that or whatever. But like Lord Abercrombie, rich, super nice. So like clearly not all rich people are like that. And I get Nori's friends are assholes. But at a certain point, like, if you like Nori, you're going to have to suck it up. And he does suck it up, but I think it takes yeah. too long. He, like, really hates her mm. friends for a very long time, which I think is, like, I, I don't can know. understand not liking your bullies, right? I can understand someone being an adult and being like, these people were trash to me. I mean, I guess I do get that. But the commentary on, like... Yeah, it, it really annoyed me any time any character would be like, well, this group of people is like this. And I was like, why are we why are we doing that? But I think that, that was kind of the point. I think that Jenny Bayless wrote that on purpose to be like, it's dumb to hate someone just because of their income, whether it's high or low. That's stupid. That's true. Cut because like we see from Nori's perspective that her family's awesome. And we also see mm-hmm. from her perspective that her friends are awesome. And they all have their own issues for sure. Mm-hmm. And they're definitely different issues because they're wealthy and poor. Yeah. But like they're all good people. Well, except for Guy. But Yeah, Guy is a bag of trash. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that was annoying with Isaac. But then my biggest issue, this was the Ooh. biggest character flaw in the entire story. Yeah. When Nori and him are, like, all good in between the Christmas tree lighting and the wedding is, like, kind of the sweet spot where they're, like, together and they're, like, yes, we're doing this. Nori, like, they're, like, teaching each other things, you know, and, like, talking about their life. And Nori has a conversation with him where she's explaining old money and new money. (laughs) Isaac used to be a college professor, you and he are works for some of the oldest money in the country. Yeah, you're telling me a college professor who has worked for wealth his entire life doesn't know the concept of old money and new money. And Nori's like, yeah. And like so this whole scene just felt super patronizing. And she's like, yeah. So old money is this. And he's like, and so new money is flashy when they've earned it, right? And I was like, what is happening? You guys are- There's no way. This is the most unrealistic part of this entire Christmas novel. Not that everyone ending up in love and happy. The most unrealistic part is that Isaac, a 35-year-old college professor, does not know what old money and new money is. You're making really good points, Kelly. Really good points. (laughs) Oh, wow. I laughed yeah. so hard at that. <laughs> and that totally went over my head. I was like, okay, whatever. Whatever. Also, if you've seen the Titanic, like that movie, then you know the difference between old money and new money. There's literally like a whole scene dedicated to that. This man's never seen Titanic? Highly That's a doubt lie. that. He's, if he's 35, he has definitely seen Titanic. I've seen it at least twice just twice yeah it was on tv one time and i saw it as a kid probably before my parents actually wanted me to and then we had the vhs set that was two vhs's 
And the first one ended right when the Titanic started sinking. And so I think that sometimes I would just watch the first half. Because the second half is the sad part. Yeah, that makes sense. I watched that movie very young. With Yeah. I watched it with my mom. And then my mom was like, cover your eyes during the car scene. <laughs> and during the painting scene. I don't think I actually covered my eyes, though. <gasps> Kelly not covering her eyes when someone tells her to? No. What? Never. I never would have guessed. <laughs> never. Um off topic from the Titanic, but something that really bothered me about this book as well. There were like 12 times when it was described that Nori had this like special sense about who needed which books. And when it came up in the last 70 pages, I literally wrote, we get it. We understand you're special. I don't (laughs) care anymore. (laughs) I was so mad. How could you be so negative in such a festive romantic book? I don't know. I was just cranky. That's part of the charm. She's uh, like, it, like you can totally picture this being turned into like a Hallmark rom-com. Absolutely. She goes back and she's sad and she's like, I'll distract myself by giving people the books that they need. It happened. She doesn't have what she needs. Oh my gosh. It happened like two or three times in the last 70 pages. And I was like, no, we get it. We get it. She's good at her job. Blah, blah, blah. I was so (laughs) mad. So negative. Let Nora be good at her job. Okay. But I think that I was mostly just mad because this book was like trucking along. And then all of a sudden I was hit in the face with my least favorite trope like anything but miscommunication you know that's fair I'm not like I mean yeah miscommunication is not the best I will agree but also I mean we saw this conflict coming from page 70 I did write when he first told her about his great-grandmother I wrote, I would be okay if they only kissed one more time and, like, didn't end up in love if there was resolution brought to this one issue. And see, I read that, and then she said Guy was a journalist, and I was like, perfect, we know how the book ends. Nori and Isaac get together. Nori goes behind his back and gets Guy to do this. Isaac gets (laughs) mad. They stop talking, and then eventually they forgive each other and fall in love. How did you like this book so much if you just, you could have written this book? You literally, you knew what was going to happen. You could have written this book. Did, did you, you not know that so was going to happen? No, I thought that he would agree to it because everything was going so smoothly. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, they're in love. Oh, <laughs> Mariah, Mariah, Mariah. I know. Things I never know. go smoothly in romance novels. <laughs> I know. I should have known that, but I don't read that much actual rom- the, the romance i read are like ya romance the That's most fair. closed door so closed door that you don't even hear their thoughts that you're like oh why did you think you don't even hear that? that nori wants to bite his lips please don't i literally <laughs> can't i couldn't handle it the first time why would you say it again That's why would so you say ridiculous it again? does anyone actually think that does anyone look at someone's lips and say i want to bite those okay here's here's the thought Here's a thought. Have we talked before about cuteness aggression on this podcast? 
No. And cute sadness. Okay, no. well, Kelly, when you see something cute, what's your reaction? Oh. Okay, so you and I both have cute sadness to make sort of a sad response and like turn your face down and go, oh, we're like, oh, that is called cute sadness. People appreciate that. There's also cuteness aggression where somebody sees something cute and they go, oh, I just want to bite its little paws off. It's so cute. And they can't even help it. Are so those the people that like go to kids and like, oh, I just want to kidnap you and take you home with yeah. me. Like, Yes. I just want to squish your whole face. And you're like, wow, please keep your hands off. Like, I appreciate that you're so excited. Keep <laughs> your hands away terrifying, from the kid, huh? <laughs> Just kidding. I have a couple of friends with cuteness aggression and I love it. Every time they see something cute, they just like, oh, I just can't help it. I just want to squish every and they like can't even talk and that's adorable <laughs> but i guess i don't know if this study is real or if it's something that this person who i who made the video made up but they were saying that people appreciate when someone is cute has cute sadness or cuteness aggression towards like their pet or their kid because it's more of a response than like oh cute kid one other thing this is totally random very off topic I had just flipped open to this page and saw that I had written a note that just said so expensive. Did you know that it's wildly expensive to mention a song in a book? No. Yeah. Like you would think, oh, I'm not playing the song without getting paid for it. No, you can't even mention a song title without having to pay like just a boatload according to I think it was John Green who made a TikTok about it. Oh my god. He gosh. wrote a book where like one of the main focuses was a song title or something. So it's like pretty expensive. But maybe depending on the song. But she mentioned a specific song. I lost the page already, so I don't I don't know what it was. But when I read that I was like, "Oh my gosh, who paid who paid for that?" You know you've made it when you can put a song title in your book <laughs> and not have any fights with anybody. Man, something else that I enjoyed about this book and not enjoyed, but something that I appreciated was the commentary on grief, trigger warning about suicide. In this book, one of their friends is not with their friend group anymore because he died by suicide. And I appreciated the way that um, it was discussed and I appreciated the way that they talked about it within their friend group. I appreciated that it came up at random times that they were sad and missed him because that's real to grief. So anyhow, I just thought that that was done well. I agree with that as well. I thought I've read some reviews like when I was done reading, mm -hmm. I was reading through some people's reviews and some people literally gave this book like one star which again, like, did you not know what you were reading? Like, what expectations did you have coming into this book that you rated it one star? I don't know. <laughs> Some people in reviews thought that that wasn't done well. They oh. thought that it was like brought up at random times. But I thought thought that was appropriate. Like, it happened like 10 years ago in their friend group. So, like, it's not something yeah. that would be brought up all the time, you know? Yeah. Like, if it happened so long ago, it does make sense that they'd miss him at dinner when they're all together, but mm -hmm. that they're not thinking about him 24-7. Well, and I think – I I'm going to say something controversial. Are you ready? Yeah. I think that anyone who is surprised 
that grief comes up at random times and with no warning and sort of like pops up and goes down right away hasn't had someone really close to them die or if they have they hate that that happens and can't face it and so I thought it was done well because I was like yeah sometimes I'm brushing my teeth and I start crying like I, I don't know what to tell you that's just grief is just a fickle thing and so I think it was done well and those people who thought that it was done poorly I'm gonna say that they're wrong even, even though maybe agree. that's a hot take. No, I agree. I think that it was done well. I I really liked the like tradition the, the uh cricket with snowballs. Yeah. I think it was croquet. Yeah, croquet. I knew it started with a C, the C R. Croquet <laughs> with snowballs under the full moon. I really enjoyed that. I thought that was fun. Me too. Me too. I thought that was Uh, crazy that they did that on the night of Nori and Isaac's wedding, but (laughs) maybe they planned it that way. They demanded snow and a full moon. One other thing that I just need to comment on, the number of times in the book that I wrote, same Nori. (laughs) You and Nori are the exact same person. (laughs) Throughout the entire book. I don't know how this didn't come up earlier. Literally throughout <laughs> the entire book, it's like Nori and Mariah are the exact same person. I, can, can I just read your comment from the story graph that made me realize that we were the same person? Yes. <laughs> or do you want to read it? Do you remember the, the comment uh, you made? I read this part and I immediately had to write this comment on our buddy read. <laughs> Nori wants to tell Camille that she slept with her husband because she needs to be honest and wants Camille to know what kind of husband she is married to. She's literally going to walk up to this woman and be like, I slept with your husband. By accident. I didn't know you existed. I'm so sorry. Solely because she wants her to know what kind of person she's married to. Can I remind you guys? Of the Portrait of a Thief episode where she said (laughs) if a friend told her that they were going to rob an art museum, she would call the FBI on them. (laughs) The number of times throughout this book that I've been like, oh no, Kelly was right. (laughs) For better or for worse, Nori and I are the same. (laughs) Even down to the... At one point, one of the, like, romantic, intimate things that um, was commented on was Nori got her scarf back from Isaac and immediately smelled it and was like, it smells like him. I love this. Kelly was like, that's so weird. And I was like, I, I've done that. You, I think you literally wrote, I smell things. <laughs> I like... <laughs> I like the, <laughs> never mind. I'm not going to say any more about it because I'm, I'm exposing myself right now. <laughs> oh, I just, I just found your comment. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I love smelling things other people have worn. <laughs> oh, I just read the second half of that. You asked not oh, no. to out you on the pod. <laughs> I, I'm I so sorry. <laughs> no, I'm so no. sorry. 
<laughs> no, no, I did that. That was me. <laughs> oh my gosh. But it's real. Like, have you never, like someone you really love has a certain cologne or perfume that they wear and you're like, that is that. I have a friend who, she's the only person I know who uses this certain perfume. I have no idea what it is. I've never asked her. But I walked past someone the other day in the store and I smelled the perf- their perfume and I was like, oh my gosh, that's the same perfume my friend wears. And I just took a second to be like, in the air, not at the person. <laughs> okay. I have literally the worst sense of smell. I can, well, I, I cannot smell anything. Oh my gosh. We have like a, <laughs> one of the, we have like the Glade plug-in things in every yeah. single room. Can't smell them. I can't smell any of them. I Did baked the doctor. I baked cookies so many times this week for Christmas. Can't smell them. I feel worried about you. I literally have never had a sense of smell. I mean, like, obviously I have a sense of smell, but it is not fantastic. So, no, I, so maybe that and maybe that's part of the reason I'm like, do people actually do that? Because, like, I can't smell things. So, yeah, sound off in the comments, everybody. Let us know. Do you, you guys smell, smell things? things? <laughs> and if so, do you ever like someone gives you a sweatshirt and you just take a second to appreciate how it smells? Really? Like anyone other than you, I guess, Kelly, who says that they've never done that. I'm going to question it. I'm going to say, really? Are you sure? Okay. People are going to be like commenting on everything that we make now. No, I've never done that before. You're a weirdo, Mariah. (laughs) Hey, butthead, you're a weirdo. (laughs) Congratulations to making it to page 245. Okay, what did you rate this? I gave it three stars. I gave it three stars because I liked it up until the last 70 pages. And even the last 70 pages. I'm being a drama queen. I did. I enjoyed it. I liked the epilogue. I liked that Guy had a full character arc. I enjoyed the the bits and pieces. Okay. I didn't like all of the random, like, she had very intimate thoughts very loudly and often. And I was like, that's too much. This is too much for me. It's a little overwhelming. And then all the things that we talked about that we didn't like. Those are the reasons I gave it only three stars. How about you? Three stars is a pretty fair rating. Um, I was going to rate it three stars. I was set on three stars. And mm-hmm. then I hit the conflict. And the last 25% for me bumped it up to a 3.5. Well, I think this is the most we've ever agreed on a book. I know. I'm kind of proud of us, actually. I am, too. <laughs> Christmas miracles do happen. <laughs> Is it time for the Star Solo Gazette? Bien, so que si, I think so. All right. <laughs> All right, what's your Star Solo Gazette, Kelly? Uh, don't ask me first. What's your Star Solo Gazette? <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me such hard questions that I knew were coming this whole time. Um, that's fair. You answered our beginning of the podcast question first um I got a job I got a new job and it's totally remote yeah I'm really excited about it so I don't start until like mid-January which is nice too because I have like a little I have time to process the fact that I can't just stay up as late as I want to anymore because I actually have a job that requires me to be doing things at times that are specific 
But yeah, so I'm really excited about it. That's my that's my Stars Hollow Gazette little Yay. news blurb. That's the best Stars Hollow Gazette. Thank you. Oh, and also I'm making friendship bracelets for the Taylor Swift concert because I guess that's a thing that's happening. I did not know that was a, that was a thing. I got One your picture friends. and you were like, I'm making friendship bracelets for the concert. And I was like, why are you doing that? And then, <laughs> and then you were like, it's something people are doing for you're on your own, Canada. And I was like, cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> One of my friends who listens to this podcast um, was telling me about it. And I was like, I guess I have to make friendship bracelets now. Obviously. And let me tell you, look at all the friendship bracelets I've made, Kelly. I'm not going to lie. You've been frozen for the past 20 minutes. I cannot see you. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. I've made like five of them in the past two days. Oh, my gosh. I know. Thank you. It was blizzarding. It was. It was. And I didn't. Oh, my gosh. So much snow. Power was out in places around me. It was bananas. Don't love that. No, me neither. Me neither. Okay, what's your Stars Hollow Gazette? Kilimanjaro? I don't know if I really have anything. Y'all will be hearing this after I celebrate my first Christmas. So this weekend, which if you're listening to it in the week that this came out, would be this previous weekend. Um, (laughs) We always do Christmas with my mom and my stepdad the weekend before Christmas and mm-hmm. everyone's sleeping over, so it's going to be so fun. It's like my whole family, all of my siblings, all of the oh. dogs. We're doing Christmas on Saturday and then like having a giant sleepover, so that'll be fun. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and I'm almost on winter break. Yeah. I'm excited to just like read and watch Gilmore Girls and – not leave my house. I mean, I currently don't ever leave my house. I leave my house like <laughs> once a week working from home, but I'm still excited to not leave my house during winter break. So, and rightfully so. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I don't know. Nothing exciting. So, you get to be a trash dog for a couple of days if you want. I just get to be a trash dog for like a week. <laughs> my favorite. I love when I get to be a trash dog. All right. So well, fun. guys. Thanks for listening. Retweet. You're the true trash dogs. <laughs> um, the truest of trash dogs. Truthfully. But we do have some exciting things for the podcast coming up. Yeah, we do. So just keep your eyes peeled. If you're not following, on, following us on Instagram or TikTok, we're on TikTok now. We um, are. Come follow us. Come hang out. Please do. We would love that. We would love that. And rate us. Five stars. (laughs) Five stars only, please. (laughs) Unless you hate us, then I guess a four-star review would be acceptable. Uh, No, five stars only. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. (laughs) We don't want anyone to know that they might not like our podcast. (laughs) exactly but all of you (laughs) like it so we don't have to worry about that exactly (laughs) i think we've said all that needs to be said huh all right merry christmas happy holidays folks catch you on the flip side buckaroonies
Bye, trash dogs. <laughs> Remember, only hot girls have ADHD. But not all hot girls have ADHD. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, y'all. Remember to check the description for this month's book club pick. Deuces! Bye! Bye. Love, Love you! you.